Hello, everyone. This is Two Cents Worth. I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. This show, we talk about sports, fitness, and life. We talk about my life. We talk about my fitness journey. And we talk about my life in sports and my opinions on all those things. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. What's going on, people? I'm back. Took a couple weeks off. Busy with stuff. Work, kids in school, Little League, all these things. But it has reached that time of the year that it is golf trip season. Yes, I know. Oh, Ryan, you've already done an episode on uh, planning a golf trip. Yeah, I know. Do I care? No. You don't want to listen to this one? That's fine. You don't have to. But I'm going to talk about... Planning golf trip, making it a successful golf trip, and now's the time to do it, right? Probably at this point you should have already done it, but you could be planning something for late summer or fall, but usually I like to plan my golf trips um, anywhere from 8 to 10 months before I go on them because you can get the best tee times, you can get pretty good pricing the further out you go and it gives you time to thoroughly plan and thoroughly um figure out everything you want in regards to the trip where do you want to go what price are you looking to pay what type of house do you need um how many guys are you going to have you know all of these things where are these guys going to come in from logistics all of these things so it is that time. I have one in two weeks. Today is the 28th. Yep, 28th of April. I have one in two weeks down at uh, Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. It's part of the Grand Strand is what they call it, the Myrtle Beach, uh, southern part of North Carolina, the Myrtle Beach Strand. Arguably the mecca of golf trips in the United States just because the amount of golf courses that are there, all the different options, different housing opportunities, anything and everything that you could want. So what goes into planning a golf trip? So for me, again, it is what I like to do. And if you're an organized type person, this is going to be the podcast for you. If you're not an organized person, but you want to at least try and organize a golf trip, this is the podcast for you. I'm an organized person. I live off of spreadsheets. I live off of PowerPoints. I do that for my job. I do that for this. I enjoy it. I do it anytime I plan a vacation. I do it anytime I plan an anniversary trip. It might sound ridiculous, but for me, that's just the best way for me to sit there, compare pricing, compare location, compare all the pros and cons of everything that goes into it. So, on my computer, I have in here a folder for every golf trip I have planned and every golf trip I've been a part of. So, what I like to do is separate them by year, by season, right? So, we do two, two golf trips a year, spring and fall. I don't put on the fall one, I put on the spring one. So, I have all the spring ones. What I like to do first is the first step in planning a good golf trip is 
for me. Again, I open up a spreadsheet and I label it for this one, what's called Spring Golf Trip 2021 Courses, Lodging, and Players. And down on the bottom of the spreadsheet, I have those tabs. Courses, Lodging, and the Players, the people that I potentially have invited, the people that have confirmed, have they paid for the house? Have they paid for the golf? All this stuff helps you organize. If you are the planner of a golf trip, you need to have all this stuff because here's one thing I will tell you. Money comes out of your pocket first before it comes out of the pocket of the others. That is just usually what happens in order to get your trip planned properly. And that's not a problem, right? As long as you have a good idea of the players that you're bringing along, and that they will pay you. Make sure you have friends that will pay you. I have friends that pay me every single time. I've never had any issues with it. Stand up, gentlemen. But I go to courses. I go and tell maybe one or two guys on the trip, you know, some of the courses that I'm thinking and, and I'll, that I'll get pricing from, and then we kind of decide. That is also another factor that I like to incorporate into a golf trip. Having others' opinions certainly helps because if you're the only one making the opinion or sorry decision and then you go and invite 12 16 20 24 30 40 people whatever it might be on your golf trip eight people it could be a four-person golf trip doesn't matter if you're the only one that has the decision in it some of the guys might not want to play that course some of those guys might not want to go to that location um so i like to incorporate a couple of people for every trip. And usually those are people that are on my trips every single year. The ones that have been consistently going for the last 8 to 10 years. And what I what I tell them is, hey, here are some of the courses I'm looking at and some of the locations. So for this past year, I narrowed it down to three areas of the North and South Carolina shore. Hilton Head, Myrtle, and then in North Carolina, Ocean Isle Beach area. And then what it was was I picked two courses from each location. And we talked about that. And then for this one in particular, I have gone directly to the courses in the past. That works if that's what you want to do. I've also now, this is the first time I've done this, I've actually utilized a golf trip planning company. This year it was golfzoo.com. You can go to their website. They, they book trips all over the country. And actually, I want to say they even go out of the country. Let's pull up their website real quick here. Golfzoo.com. They, because I want to say they do Mexico and I know they do Ireland. Uh, yeah, international golf. Here we go. They do Bermuda, Caribbean, Dominican Republic, Ireland. When they say Caribbean, it's Puerto Rico because Dominicans in the, in the Caribbean and so is Jamaica, but Bermuda, Caribbean, Dominican Republic, Ireland, Jamaica, Mexico, Scotland, they say South Africa, but I don't see any courses under South Africa or locations under South Africa. So they might be able to do that too. In the U.S., their top destinations, they list out um, Alabama, Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, Nevada, New Jersey, North Carolina, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Texas, Virginia, Wisconsin. Um and then they have golf specialists all over the country. Guy I use, his name is Jamie. He's out of Myrtle Beach. Great guy. I've worked with him in the past. Um, he was a GM of another course that we we did a golf trip in a couple of years ago. So anyways, what I do is I then go and look um, at the courses that we want. 
and, and then I used golf suit this time and I said, Hey, here's what I'm looking for. You can fill out a quote online or because I knew Jamie from before I reached out to him and I said, Hey, here's what I'm looking for. These are the dates I'm looking at. Can you give me pricing for all of that? Now I will tell you, we did not go with the lowest priced bid, which is also another option, right? So I have a, a pretty good idea of the budget that each guy wants to spend this year, right? Before I even really get into the trip. And some guys might drop off because of the cost, and that's totally fine. Everyone's in different places in their lives, right? So what I look at is, okay, what's the max that I'd be willing to pay myself as well? What is the max that I'd be willing to pay? What's the max that most of the guys would be willing to pay? What's the lowest I would be comfortable paying? And I say comfortable paying because you can get low rates but what does that mean? Is the course not in great condition? You, sometimes you do have to worry about why certain courses are priced at a certain price range compared to others, especially in the same area, right? So for example, if you go to Ocean Isle Beach or Sunset Beach, which is North Carolina, and there's more than a handful of golf courses there. If I get a quote to play four rounds at one course and it's 400, and I get a quote to play four rounds at another course and it's 150 i'm going to be a little concerned on why the 150 is priced at what it is what's the condition of the course and so where i go from there is one i ask and in this case i ask golf zoo you know hey what are what do you know about these courses because they talk to these gms they talk to the courses every single I don't want to say day, but that's their job, right? Is to know these courses that they're planning because again, they're regionalized. They specialize in certain areas, right? So Jamie specializes in the Myrtle Beach area. So for him, he knows those courses. He knows those GMs. And I trust his opinion on, hey, I see two prices here. Yes, one's 400, one's 150. Again, these are just made up prices. But why is that one 150? What's going on in the course? And I get his opinion. I'd also then go on to golf pass which used to be uh, golf advisor i'd go on trip advisor i'd go on google reviews and see the latest reviews of the course you know what are others that have played the course saying about the course now sometimes you have to take that with a grain of salt because there are some people that i've played wonderful courses and the latest review about that course is about how horrible it was and i've gone out a week later to that same course and it was fantastic. Or I've gone out a week before those that person, and it was in fantastic shape. And golf courses just don't go into crap shape over a week, right? So sometimes you just have to take it with a grain of salt. But somebody like Jamie, an expert in, in the field, is someone that I definitely would take advice from. So, you know, that's what I say when, you know, if you get a low, low price compared to what everything else you're seeing, you have to wonder what type of course conditions am I going to play? And if that doesn't matter to you and you're just looking to get out of your house and, and go on a trip, then yeah, certainly go with that. This trip though, we went with a little higher priced, a little higher end golf course for the fact that the last couple of years we went with that middle of the range, maybe lower price or lower range of the pricing that I've gotten courses. And they've been good, but not great good condition, not great. And it's, it has to also do with the time of year, right? And, and if you're in the South Bermuda grass, it grows in hot weather. And if it has, if you didn't have a hot spring, sometimes it does take a little while to get into shape. And the courses might be in incredible shape June and July timeframe compared to middle early May, which is when we go. So, you know, you have to do kind of have to have that planned and, and know that, you know, I, I know for my home course here, our Bermuda, 
is still there's some parts of the course that are still dormant right and we're waiting for this warm streak and this week we're going to see it right it's going to get in the high 80s here in charlotte and so it's certainly going to make that golf course over the next week or two really pop and get green and get rid of anything that was dormant still um so I know that from experience because I, I live it every day. I drive by that golf course every single day. I play that golf course as much as I possibly can because I'm a member there. And we see that. So, you know, you do have to understand what type of time, time frame you're going. And, you know, most of the courses here in North and South Carolina are going to be Bermuda courses, especially in the summertime. So, you know, you have to make sure and late springtime, you have to make sure, you know, what is the expectation in regards to the course conditions? So this year we chose a more higher end golf course. Um, and we knew with that, there was going to be a higher range price. And at the same time, I need to also make sure outside of the courses, I have to also make sure that a house that I find is suitable for the amount of people that I am uh, inviting to go on this trip, right? So you can work with, local real estate agencies that are down there, property management agencies that are at that location. You can do condos. You can even use Golf Suit. Golf Suit does, I feel like I'm making a, an ad for them, but I'm, you know, I'm on their site and I know what they can provide. They also provide housing. Now, most of it is condos and that's okay. A lot of people do enjoy just going to a condo um, or even a hotel if they need to. But for us, we like a house. So I usually go with Airbnb, VRBO, or an actual property management company. Again, give them the dates, give them the size house that I need and the things that I'm looking for. And then they narrow it down for me. And then we look at it price-wise. So, you know, this year's house, I got a house that is a 13 bedroom house. Sorry, geez, 13 bedroom house, a seven bedroom house that sleeps that has 13 beds, right? So if I'm, I'm bringing 12 guys, including myself. So now everyone has a bed, and there's six and a half bathrooms. So it's a good size house. I know what the budget is going to be. I don't really try and exceed that from a housing perspective because I know that we're spending a little more on the golf course this time. But again, have an idea of what you're willing to spend, right? Is your golf trip going to be, all right, for example, my golf trip this year, I wanted to house and courses or house and course, depending on if you're going to play one or two or three or four courses, whatever it is, house and golf pricing to be between $500 and $700 for the trip. That was it. Yours can be way more. Yours can be a thousand. Yours can be 1500. It depends on what type of group you're bringing and what the expectations are. Again, we're, we're there to go on a golf trip, but a lot of it is more so around just the fellowship and hanging out with our friends. That's, that's the biggest thing about all of it, right? <clears throat> we all go out there and play subpar golf and it's fun. We have a great time no matter what the condition of the course is. Right. And that's, that's always the takeaway that, that I, I want, um, to have for any trip that I plan and that I would want for anyone planning a trip. Yes. You want to have fun. There's more serious golfers than others. You might have a very serious group of golfers. And if that is more so the focus, then pick a course that you know is going to be challenging for yourself and is going to meet the expectations of those that are invited. If you're more so concerned and your expectations are to just go out and have fun and more so fun back at the house, find a good house, find a good location for that house and have things at the house that are going to entertain everybody. Yes, sitting out on a porch, drinking beers, 
or cocktails, whatever it might be, is fun. But are there other things in the area? Are there other things at the house that also can be entertained? So instance, my house that we're renting this year, foosball table, poker, big TV, a lot of outside sitting. It's on a canal. On the other side is the beach. We're only a mile from the middle of town, so we can walk to town if we want, where there's bars and restaurants. Mini golf, as funny as it sounds, mid-30s to 40-year-old men, we might do a mini golf night. Actually, we are. I do have that planned. We have a mini golf night the first night we get there just to kind of to break up the the uh, seriousness of, you know, playing four rounds and everything is just everyone gets to the house. We'll have a couple drinks. We're going to walk into town. We're going to play mini golf for money. We're going to go to the bar, have dinner, and we're going to walk back to the house and, and finish up the night before we play golf the next morning. That's how the golf trip is planned, right? So, um, Finding the right course and the pricing for that, finding the right house, and then breaking it down. So I, in my spreadsheet, I have multiple options for each location, right? So for the Ocean Isle area, I had, how many houses is this? I had it down to eight houses. For Hilton Head, I had three houses. For North Myrtle Beach, I had four houses because, again, they're all priced differently. They all have different amount of beds. And do they include linens? You know, what company is it through? Um, again, I mentioned VRBO, Airbnb. There's Turnkey. I've used them before. And then again, I've used the local property management companies as well. But for instance, so I look at these houses and I look at the pricing. And again, I have an idea of how much I want to spend. And then it's also broken down per man. If I'm going, if I'm going to go with 16 guys, that house that has 13 beds is certain the one that we're staying at this time is certainly an option, but it means three guys are going to have to probably bring air mattresses or sleep on couches. So do I find a house that has 15 beds and only one guy has to sleep on an air mattress? Or do I try and book two houses that have eight beds each? You know, you look at all those types of options. So I have all of that in there. I have that for the locations. So you break that down too, because you might go and request a house and it might not be available, right? Or I've had it before to where it shows available. I request, owner comes back and says, hey, sorry, actually those dates are gone. We just haven't updated it, right? So you have to give yourself options, just like you do for the courses, right? Find multiple courses, narrow it down. Again, I chose six between three locations, two at each location. So it gives me a good idea of pricing and, and quality of each course. And then I break it down to three, and then I break it down to two. And then I, again, I we get the opinions of a couple other guys of, hey, which one do you want to play? And I usually, I obviously have the final say because I am the one putting it together, but we narrow it down to that last one and we go, yep, this is the one we're going to go with, where everyone's good with this price, awesome, boom, we move forward. And then your players, right? So, for instance, my group is 12 guys. People have different things come up in their lives. People have different obligations, right? Um, again, some guys don't want to spend that money or some guys just don't have that week weekend available or some guys change jobs or some guys have travel whatever it might be 12 guys i just want to tell you this you might have friends that are consistently going to go on a trip every single year like that's the case that's awesome i will tell you i've been doing this for eight years now i feel like maybe maybe less just around that i have never had the same group go on a trip two years in a row 
And again, it's because different obligations, different things pop up, but I still keep all of those guys on the list. So if I look at my list right now, 12 guys, I have a 12 man trip. I have 30 people listed out that I potentially am going to ask. Yes, they're tiered out because some of the guys haven't gone on a trip in a couple years, but they're still invited if, if guys can't commit or drop off. What I try and do is I take the group from the year previous. They get the first invite. For anyone that drops off, I then start going through that list of guys that have been on the most recent trips and then you know, kind of so on and so forth. And that's, that's how I plan a trip. 30 guys I had for this year, 12, including myself, said yes. The other 18 couldn't do it, right? So that, I mean, just think of that, that in regards to planning again, getting 12 guys, 16 guys, X amount of guys to commit to a certain date year over year can be very difficult just with everything that's going on in life. So that's that. So that's the, that's the initial part. Now comes the fun part, right? So now I've, I've picked the course. I've now got the guys, which by the way, the guys fluctuate even throughout my planning, right? I've, I've picked the course. Now it's, I send out the text to 12 guys. Then it's okay. Well, I, he's not going to come. He's not going to come. All right. So I'm adding this other person and adding this person. in. And I'm telling you this right now, it can even go all the way up to a week or two before your trip that you're still trying to find one or two guys. And that happened on this trip, right? We had 12 guys. Unfortunately, somebody had to decommit a couple weeks prior. Not a big deal. Like I said, things come up. We worked on a couple other guys. We went back to some that said no originally, and one was actually able to work out his schedule and everything, and he's joining the trip, right? So back to 12, two weeks before the trip. This person committed two days ago, two weeks before the trip, two and a half weeks before the trip, really, committed to coming on the trip again. So back to 12 guys. Again, I'm just giving you my experience in this. (laughs) Um, Yours can be completely different, but... What I will say is, yes, sometimes that can be stressful. That was stressful, right? Trying to find that 12th guy because I've already picked all the games we're going to have. I've already picked the teams, and I'll get into all of that as well. Um, I built a player packet, which, again, I've already go, I'll go into as well. I had all this planned for 12 people, not 11. How am I going to plan for 11? You know, I try to start thinking about that as well. You know, What am I going to have to change? What are we going to have to not do? Are we not going to have teams? Is it just going to go 11 guys? Maybe we just do stroke play every single um, every single round. Who knows, right? So anyways, you have to be able to adapt is what I'm getting at and expect people to decommit, expect people to drop off. But, you know, again, keep them on the list for the year, for the year, the next year because there's going to be some guys that are on this trip this year. That won't be able to make next year's trip. And again, that's okay. So, all right. So, I've gotten the trip. I've gotten the... I'm sorry. I picked the course. I've got the guys. Majority of them. Now, we move on to the player packet. So, for me, I try and create a lot of excitement and anticipation for the trip, right? So, once I've picked the course, I start working on what I call the player packet. And this year's player packet is a 45-page PowerPoint with everything that every guy needs to know for the trip, right? It creates excitement for them. It gets sent out two weeks before the trip. So I sent it out today. It went out today. The excitement's there. It gives the guys an understanding of the course, 
of where we're going to stay, the games we're going to play, the teams, the handicaps. What's the house look like? Where is the house? All of these things, you know, and this year it it has quite a bit of information. And it, again, the, it also helps when you have a golf course like the one we chose this year that has a really good website and they had a lot of good information on there. And so it was able, I was able to really create a nice, cool, fun player packet. But again, it, it does, again, this goes back into my organization, but also just the planning aspect of it and the, the fun of planning it and how to make a successful trip. When I put this together, as much fun as it is to put together, I also do it to eliminate a lot of questions in regards to how much do I owe you? What 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 courses are we playing? What's the conditions of the courses? Uh, tell me a little bit about the course. Where's the house? What do I need to bring? I didn't plan to have this. I, I thought you were gonna I thought we were gonna have lunch at the clubhouse every day. I didn't think to bring breakfast, all of this stuff. Like I just years and years of doing this, I've I've gotten to a pretty good point to where I, I know most uh, information to put into a player packet to eliminate a lot of questions. Because if I get a lot of questions from 11 other guys, uh, I do have a day job. I have two kids. I have a wife. I have a life, you know? So I don't want to constantly be asking or answering questions and questions and questions when two weeks prior to the trip, I can send out a player packet that has almost every single piece of information in it, as well as it's a fun read and it's cool and it looks cool and it creates the excitement and guys get really pumped up and we're all in a group text together. So then the banter happens, you know, people are start talking smack to each other. People are also planning as well, you know, Hey, carpooling, who's going to ride with who, Hey, I'll bring the cornhole boards, you know, whose house are we going to meet at? What time are you guys going to leave? Hey, who is anybody taking that day off that we're leaving? Are you taking a half day? Does anybody want to play nine holes? So all this stuff starts to come together, right? So in this, my first page is obviously the player packet opening page, and the second page is the agenda. What is in this uh, PowerPoint? And I talk about, again, I lucked out. I have a course that has so much information on their website, which is great. But I have the history, the philosophy of the course, the service that you can expect at the course, the clubhouse, what what... Matt, where did the architecture of the clubhouse come from? The memorabilia that's inside the clubhouse, where did that come from? The courses that we're going to play. So this course that we're playing is three nine-hole courses. So each uh, course has its own des different design. Who is the architect of the course? When was it built? What's the yardage of it? Does it rank anywhere in the country or the, the state? Photos of the course. Photos of the practice facilities. What does the golf shop look like? What are the scorecards? What pins are we going to play closest to the hole? So that's another thing. Not not only do we have a different type of game each round, we also have two closest to the pin every round. So guys can win money that way outside of just winning overall team wins, right? We do a Ryder Cup format. First team to, I think this year it's 18 and a half points, wins the tournament. And basically each guy walks away with 100 bucks. Um, buy in $60. So if you win, you come out on top $40. If you lose, you lose 60 bucks. That's the buy in for the week or the weekend. And then there's on top of that hundred dollars. You can also win $15 for every closest to the pin that you have. Again, figure out your money, figure out your betting that you want. That's what works for us. 
So again, another additional cost outside of the course and the house is going to be golf betting and food and alcohol, right? Or whatever you want it to be. Some people don't drink. It can just be drinks, whatever, water. I don't know if you want like a lot of bottled water. So anyways, we have the closest to the pins, the scorecards for every course. What's the payment look like? Who are the players? What are the teams? And what are their handicaps? The tee times that we have locked in and at what course? The formats that we're going to play. What does Friday's format look like? What is Thursday or what are Saturday's formats look like? What does Sunday's format look like? The area map of the island that we're going to and the, its location to the golf course. What does the food and drink look like? What are we going to do for dinner every single night, right? Where are their grocery stores? You know, I utilize Google Maps a lot to, to put those into the PowerPoint compared, comparable to where we're staying, comparable to the course. Where are grocery stores if we need to get new supplies? If you, if you want to buy your stuff down there rather than before you go, you know, where do I go and get that? Again, what is the dinner dinner menu going to look like for three nights? What are we going to do? What's our plan? What's the house look like? What do the pictures of the house look like? Directions from the house to the golf course. All of these things go into this this presentation, this, this uh, player packet. 45 pages. Yes, it's excessive. Yes, sometimes I go overboard. But again, I love to create excitement and anticipation. And me building this out in my spare time helps me also get excited for the trip. I truly enjoy it. I love looking at the pictures of it. It gets me excited to see that, hey, we're going to get to go play that course. You know, I have an aerial shot of the three courses. Really, really beautiful looking courses. And, and it's just exciting to have something to look forward to. Um, I'm going through it right now. You know, for this year, we've called uh, we called it the Clash of the Carolinas. It's Team North Carolina versus Team South Carolina. So, you know, you create that excitement too that the South Carolina guys are facing off against the North Carolina guys, and and it can be anything, right? It can just be the hell. It can be the two courses you might belong to in your hometown, right? It could be X Country Club versus X Country Club guys, whoever it might be. You know, however you guys have. You plan on putting your group together and your teams together. That's what we did this year. Other times, it's it's a draft that we've done in the past where we draft players. And then what we do also is the night before each, each format, each team has a captain. The captains pick the matches that we have. So like I said, it's a Ryder Cup situation. So for example... Friday, we play what is called Chicago Match Play. So on Thursday night the two captains will put together the pairings for each tee time against who, you know, so for our 925 tee time, my captain is going to put say me and Joe against, and then the South Carolina coach captain will put together verse Bill and Charlie. And that's how we, we do it. So it also then kind of creates that banter inside the house. Like, okay, you're, we're all sitting together in a room and the matches are selected the night before, so then you can start talking shit to each other, looking at the handicaps, kind of strategizing, looking at the game that we're going to play, you know, how can we potentially win, what type of score do I need to kind of put up, all that type of stuff. So it creates that excitement for it. So on we play, we play Friday, two rounds Saturday, one on Sunday. So Thursday night we pick matches. 
Friday, we'll come back to the house and we'll pick both Saturday matches, the morning matches and the afternoon matches. And then on Saturday night, every trip I've done, Sunday morning is always singles match play. You end with singles match play. It kind of, it's that culmination of the trip coming to an end, but yet you still have that high intensity competition. I call it high intensity. It's really not. I mean, we're more so, so tired, so hungover, just beat up from playing three rounds of golf, but it still creates that excitement for that last round. So it helps you get up for that last round is knowing that you're going to go up against another one of your friends and in, in a healthy, fun competition, but it's singles match play. So on Saturday night, those are chosen by the captain. And hopefully at that point in time, your team hasn't already been out of it. Um, and we try and do that also from the points to where you can't win before Sunday, right? So we do that points wise. So if I look at, we need 18 and a half points to win. So Friday, there's only six points total available. If there's three matches, right? Because there's 12 guys, four guys in a, a foursome, duh. Two points for a win, one point for a half. Saturday, six points available. Saturday afternoon, six points available. So in total, Friday through Saturday, if your team sweeps the entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Saturday afternoon, you've gotten 18 points, which means you still mathematically have not won the tournament, but it does mean that really all you have to do is um, have one match come into singles match play. But I've seen it to where, you know, singles match play on Sunday can turn an entire trip around where a team that thought they were down so much that they might not win has turned around and won. So on singles match play, it's three points each for a win, which is a total of 18 points. So if a team wins all the matches Friday, all of them Saturday, all of them uh, and all of them, sorry, Saturday morning and all of them Saturday afternoon, and they have 18 points. The other team, if they win every single match on Sunday, get 18 points, and then everyone just gets their money back. If they don't and they lose one match, that's it. It's over. So it does create that fun so where Sunday isn't just a wash to where it's like, all right, well, we, we can't win mathematically. We're out of it. Um, you have to make sure you have that as well. And it, the reality is, no team, unless you have just put together a really poor team selection, no team should win all the matches Friday, all of them Saturday morning, all of them Saturday afternoon. Um, I've never seen it happen. I've never seen a clean sweep. And like I've said, I've been doing this for a while. So, you know, that's something to also think about and, and put together is making sure that the point scale doesn't eliminate a team going into your last match because it does take a lot of the excitement out. It has happened one time for us and we made a, uh, an executive decision on a Saturday night that we changed some of the point format to try and, you know, keep the other team in it because it wasn't a clean sweep, but we had gotten so far ahead of the other team that basically we only had to win, I think, one match going into Sunday. So I do kind of take back that I've never seen it happen before. It has happened one time previously, but regardless. Um, so yeah. So then you have that. And then again, another nice thing that I've had the luck with, and I create a hole by hole pamphlet. The course that I'm playing, that we're playing, has an actual picture, a digital picture of every single hole that they have to offer on their course. So I pull those pictures off and I put together a prison, another PowerPoint about a 27-page PowerPoint, and it has every single hole on every single course, the distance, 
what the hole looks like. And so guys can kind of visualize from a digital picture. It's not a real picture, but from digital picture, what the course is going to look like that they're going to face. You know, does it have a lot of water? Is it tree lined? Is it a shorter course? You know, how wide open is it? All of those things go into play. So to plan a successful golf trip, in my opinion, you need to be organized. You need to be able to adapt. You need to make sure that you have enough information to eliminate a ridiculous amount of questions because, again, you have a job. You have a life. You might have a wife. I have kids. I don't have time to constantly be answering questions. You have to create excitement because if guys aren't excited to go on the trip, what's the point? Make sure you create stuff that's fun, right? I try and choose different types of games every single trip. Eventually, we have to recycle them. You know, Saturday afternoon is always captain's choice. But what I did this year, I called it crazy captain's choice. And so on certain holes, I'm going to bring it up right now. Saturday afternoon, I called it the two-man crazy scramble match play. On hole number two is a one-club challenge. Each player on each team gets to pick one club to use the entire hole. Once you get to the green, you can use your putter. If you hit into a greenside bunker, you can choose to hit it out or you can get a free throw. So again, if I use a four iron, the last thing I want to try and do is try and hit a four iron out of a greenside bunker so I can choose to pick it up and throw it. That's the rule, right? Everyone has the same rules. On the seventh hole, happy Gilmore tee shot and putting. Each player must attempt the happy Gilmore tee shot. If you miss, it's a one stroke penalty and you can do your normal swing afterward. Each player must putt like Happy Gilmore, meaning you hold the putter like a hockey stick. Modified alternate shot on the first three holes of the back nine. Each player tees off, pick the best tee shot, then whoever ball you choose, the other player starts the alternate shot. And then opponent's revenge on the second par five of the back nine. So you got to pick your club on the one-hole club challenge. Now your opponent gets to use, choose, sorry, your opponent gets to pick the club you use off the tee, and it can be any club other than a putter. So it's a par five. So your opponent can pick a 60-degree wedge that you have to hit off of the off the tee. So you you might walk up to a 500-yard par five, and you have to hit a 60-degree that might go 90 yards. After the tee shot, with the selected club, the player then can use any of his clubs needed for the rest of the hole. So basically, they can screw you. By giving you a 60-degree, I can't imagine anybody is going to pick anything other than a 60-degree. It's a par 5. Like, I would never pick a driver unless you've seen the guy spray driver all day long or never take driver out. I might pick driver because he might dump it in the water if it's a it's a hole with water. You know, you have to kind of figure all that out, right? So I took a two-man scramble, and I turned it into something that is going to be less... Two-man scramble is fun, but we do it every single trip. So I took it and kind of threw it on its head and, and created all these different types of holes. It's going to be fun. The tough part's going to be it's Saturday afternoon. We've already played two rounds. Saturday morning, gotten some drinks in us, is remembering this. So I do have to remember to bring this to the course, this write out, and mark it on the – basically have this print out for every every match um, because I'm going to need it to give to each, each of the three matches so they remember which holes to do it on. Um, but anyways, so that goes back into it, right? Creating the fun and the excitement to have a successful trip. Plan, adapt, create excitement. Um, pick games that are fun and different. 
and make it a fun trip. Again, I know that there's buddy trips out there that are extremely serious, that there's a lot of money on the line. That's great. I'm just trying to talk about how to make a successful trip. You can do the same things that I've done here and make it extremely competitive. You might not do the crazy scramble thing, but you can make it extremely competitive, but still have an incredibly good time and a successful trip. Player packet, organize, create excitement, a whole-by-whole -whole pamphlet, sending emails, text messages, creating teams, putting you know players against each other, whatever it might be to create that excitement and fun, that's a successful trip. Keep your expectations at that level. Fun. Golf is secondary. Again, not for a lot of, not for some people, but for my particular instance, golf and this group of guys is secondary. Yes, we all want to go out and have our best rounds, right? That That's what makes it fun. But at the same time, as much as I want to go have my best round, I don't want the guy next to me suffering and having a terrible time because he might be taking it too serious, getting too upset about it. The point of the trip is to kind of shed away what we deal with on a day-to-day -day and go have fun for four days. That's the point of the trip. So I hope this was informational. I hope it was enjoyable. If you ever want to see anything like this that I've put together, examples, anything, I can take people's names out of it, whatever it might be, you can email me at twocentsworthpodcast at gmail.com. I will send it to you so you have an idea if you're looking to plan a trip. If you want some hints and tips or some suggestions on where to go, same thing, twocentsworthpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I hope it was fun. I hope you can tell by the excitement in my voice. I'm, one, super excited for the, ne for the next two weeks to go by very quickly. I don't want to rush through it. I do have a lot of Little League games coming up with my two sons. One I'm a coach for, so I, I don't want to rush that, certainly. But the next two weeks are going to be really exciting and it, with the anticipation of the trip. And then there's the trip. We're going to have a really good time. But I hope you can tell in my voice that this is something I truly enjoy doing. This is why I've talked about it now for the second time on this podcast. But um, if you need any other information, you know where to find me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening.